Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. What's going on, homies? Welcome to the Mini Break Podcast. I am Kale Hammond. I'm filling in today for the one and only Alex Gruskin, who is calling the Ann Arbor Challenger in Michigan. So fantastic to see him get that opportunity and you know take full advantage of it. Guy's working his butt off. I'm, I'm sure he's just completely exhausted. So I think he asked me to help him out with this one. Um, Gruskin, feel free to, uh, you know... Send me more of those texts. If you ever feel like having me on, I'd love to come talk talk with you about some tennis. You know, I like doing this too. I think we all do. But um, seriously, congratulations on, on, on getting that opportunity. It's, I've been listening. It's, it's, it's pretty good. Not bad. Not bad, I got to say. Not bad. You're no Mary Carrillo yet, but you're, but you're not bad. So in the interest of time, there's so much freaking tennis going on. There's hundreds and hundreds of matches each day. We're just going to focus quickly on the women in Auckland and Brisbane and the men at the ATP Cup. Both, all three tournaments, I should say, have just been phenomenal in terms of the quality of matches that we've got to see. Starting in Brisbane, so last night, Naomi Osaka lost to Karolina Pliskova in a thriller of a match. Pliskova saved match points in the second set, and Osaka really should have won that match, but then Pliskova, you know, Saved the match points, and then and then she got just electric hot, just insane. And she won the third set, I believe it was 6-3, might have been 6-2. She, anyway, when she served it out, she hit, I think she hit four aces um, in the game that she served it out. Just absolutely insane to see her, you know, what she can do. She served out the game like John Isner. You, you really don't see in the women's game, unless it's Serena, Girls coming up and just just cranking four aces and just you know holding you know like no problem. So that was really impressive to see. She's certainly playing well, um, and and she's going to take on Madison Keys in the final, who defeated uh, Petra Kvitova in another awesome three setter. Madison Keys has strung together some really nice matches as of late. She's hitting the ball you know more consistently which is just all, has been what she needs to do because the no one else matches her firepower from the ground. No one. And so, you know, she sort of reminds me of Shap- Shapovalov in that her shot selection sometimes isn't the best, but when she's able to hit smart and safe shots more consistently, she'd be just be a nightmare to play. I mean, you're just, you have no time whatsoever because the ball's coming so fast. So that's going to be a huge, huge hitting, huge serving final. Um, in Brisbane. In Auckland, we have going to have Serena Williams face off against American Jessica Pagula, who is, if you don't know this, the daughter of Terry Pagula, who owns the Buffalo Bills and the Buffalo Sabres. So 
Pagula financially does not need to win this tournament, but it's fantastic to see her playing well. She's been killing people, and then she pl- played Wozniak yesterday in the semis, and she won the third set 6-0. So not only is she playing well, she's clearly physically fit if you're going to beat Wozniaki in uh, third set 6-0. I remember I was in a tournament talking to David Lee about Wozniaki, and he told that said they went on a seven-mile run, and Wozniaki had to play the next day. And I was like, oh, isn't that, isn't that a bit much? Like, how, you know, was she able to keep up with you? He's like, dude, I struggle to keep up with her. She's a beast. So, yeah, um, Wozniacki's running six, seven miles before, day before her matches. She's in fantastic shape. So, for Pagula to outlast her 6 0 in the third, really impressive. And I think she's definitely going to give Serena the toughest test that she's seen so far because in her semifinal, Serena's semifinal, she played. 18-year-old, uh, you know, future superstar Amanda Anisimova, who was just totally just simply happy to be there. She didn't give a crap whether she won or lost that match. She said in her post-match interview after the quarterfinal that she was, it was a dream come true playing Serena. And I saw on Twitter someone said uh, the dream lasted longer than the actual match because the match was over in less than 45 minutes. And it was just a, a colossal beatdown. And you see this a lot with people playing you know, you see this a lot with young guys playing Federer, Nadal for the first time, the the women playing Serena for the first time. You know, you see them on TV your entire life. You grew up watching them every weekend on TV, every Grand Slam final. You're seeing them all the time. And to actually play them in person is a pretty surreal experience for the first time. I remember talking to Dennis Kudla after he played Federer for the first time. And he said it was such an unbelievable experience and he wouldn't, you know, change anything. But he did, said he didn't feel like he gave himself a chance. You know, he, he was said he was also just happy to be there. He said it was pretty surreal. He's, you know, like in Nisimova, he said he sort of felt like it was a dream. You know, seeing Federer across the net from you when you change sides, like, holy shit, you're playing Roger Federer. So we see that a lot. And, and you know, Nisimova, the next time she plays Serena, it's going to be closer She's got to get that out of her system. And Serena's playing well. She put in a ton of work over the offseason, and we know that because it was posted on social media every five seconds by one of Chris Eubanks, Patrick Moritoglu, Serena herself, Coco Goff, you name it. If they were there, they were posting up a storm on social media. So one of the things they were posting was the practices, and they clearly put in work. They did a lot of other fun stuff, some karaoke, some bowling, and, you know, Serena did all her, you know, media obligations, photo shoots, etc. that she always has got going on. But you definitely felt she was taking this offseason very, very seriously and going to come to Australia and give herself a chance to win that elusive 24th major in that first title since 2017 Australian Open uh, when she was with child. So it would be the first tournament she won in three years and the first one she'd won as a mother. So that's a huge storyline to watch out for. And she's already the favorite uh, big time to win the Australian Open. You saw Bianca Andreescu pulled out, sadly, with her knee injury. I think that's a smart decision. She, I know I know Andreescu well. She's a, a smart, smart lady, and she's not going to risk her career. She knows she's in for the long haul. There's no point to try and force a major and risk you know, compromising some of her season. And frankly, she didn't win any points at the Australian Open. So I think she won one round and then lost second round. So she's not defending hardly any points. That's not going to make her top tournaments that, that qualify for the points. So who cares? You know, it's not like she's going to drop in the rankings. She's still going to come in hot six in the world. 
to start the year. So just a good decision by her, and you hope that she can get uh, get well uh, by February. So that's what we got for the women. I mean, these matches have just been fantastic. Tons of three-setters, saving match points left and right. And the Americans, at one point in, in Brisbane, we had, uh, we had, good God, Madison Keys, Allison Risk, and Danielle Collins all in the quarterfinals. So really good to see the American women coming out hot to begin the year. Moving on to the ATP Cup. This tournament has been, it's really interesting to have this tournament you know, right after the Davis Cup, it, it sort of feels weird. But at the same time, as a tennis fan, you know, you got Doha going on, you got Adelaide coming up, you got all these tournaments. But to start the year, we're going to get a Joker and a Doll matchup in the finals of the ATP Cup. Who says no? Who says no? You know, there's a lot of stuff going on. The players don't like it, especially the players, you know, the players from countries with good players who are ranked, you know, 20, 30, 40 in the world, who don't get a chance. Andre Rublev didn't qualify. Riley Opelka didn't qualify, you know, for their respective countries. And that is a little, it's, it's a little ridiculous, and the players are pretty pissed. Joe Songa didn't qualify for France. You know, it's, it, it's tough. But at the same time, as a tennis fan, from a fan perspective, getting these big names out here to start the season like this is, is great. And I have enjoyed, enjoyed it. And so let's recap yesterday. Serbia beat Russia. Um, that was pretty awesome from Dusan Lajevic, who came out and straight-setted Karen Kachnov. And he played a fantastic match from start to finish. This guy's ranked 34 in the world, I think, and he is just just in the zone. You know, Kachnov really couldn't do much. He didn't play his best match, but, but Lajevic just really took it to him. He was hitting the ball, seeing it like a beach ball out there. So the guy was completely in the zone from start to finish. Set Joker up with a 1-0 lead heading into probably my... We'll see what happens with Joker at all, but this might be my new favorite matchup, uh, Djokovic versus Medvedev, because tell you what, you're going to get to see a lot of tennis when these two guys play each other. The pain tolerance that both these players have is phenomenal. And just their, their point construction, their shot making, and most importantly, their court coverage. Their court coverage is insane. These I don't know who who covers more ground really than right now than Novak Djokovic and Daniel Medvedev, and especially on the return, the range that Medvedev has on his return is frightening as a good server. John Isner, he when when he beat the piss out of John Isner, he John Isner only served four aces, which I haven't done. I you know I can't go through John Isner's all his matches and see what his career low aces is, but that is got to be close to his career low in terms of total aces hit per match. I can't imagine John Isner hitting less than four aces in a match. Um, didn't serve well, but look, Medvedev standing eight feet behind the baseline, and he's 6'6 with long arms and a very quick first step. And it's just you can't get the ball by him. That's, it is what it is. And same with Djokovic. You really, two guys that you really can't get the ball past each other are playing each other. So just, just fantastic, fantastic points. Joker came out hot and, you know, was using his short slice to uh, win that first set 6-1. He was chipping Medvedev short, which is a fantastic play because he's not missing from the baseline. And Medvedev's volleys are pretty bad at this point in his career. They're really not good. And so Djokovic utilized that and won the first set 6-1, no problem. He probably hit 8-10 to drop shots slash short chips 
really frustrated Medvedev. Medvedev does not like moving forward. He likes moving side to side. And that was a good, you know, good strategy by him. Then Medvedev adjusted and just started you know, ripping the ball, moving Djokovic around, saying, I'm gonna not I'm gonna not engage with you in these rallies where you're in control because then you can control when you chip and when you hit drop shots. So Medvedev turned up the juice in the second set and you know um, won that. And then in the third set, it was just a battle of wills. These guys were exhausted, you know, taking their time after each point, holding their breath. It was it was just really fantastic um, to see. And yeah, I mean, that's if you didn't see that match, figure out a way to go watch it. That's one of the best matches of the. It's probably the best match. Ah, that doubles from Australia. Australia. Uh, oh God, who was that? I'm blanking right now. The Australia doubles match where Nick Kyrgios. Oh, Australia, Great Britain doubles. That was probably the most exciting match all year. Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. But Novak Djokovic versus Daniel Medvedev, if they're playing each other, it's can't-miss TV. And Djokovic came, he squeaked it out in the third set. And, yeah. Oh, I wanna, real quick, I want to talk about the video review that they're doing at the ATP Cup for the footfalls. I think it's the dumbest thing ever. I think that it's so stupid to have this, you rule a microscopic foot fault. They show the replay, you know, a, a, a quarter of a millimeter of the guy's shoe is touching the front of the line. They call it a foot fault. That's a waste of time. That's a waste of money. And that's just a good way to piss off the players. And I, I don't think the video review is necessary whatsoever, especially if you don't have it on let's, because we'll get to this later. But Nick Kyrgios was playing RBA, Roberto Batista Agut. And on game point, at 3-4 in the third, in the second set, he hit an ace out wide that didn't look like a let. They called it a let, and he was unable to review it. So that's stupid as hell. If you are, you know, you can review a foot fault call, which no one really cares anyway. Like, don't call a foot fault unless it's egregious, unless it actually gives someone an advantage. Otherwise, otherwise, come on. It's not track and field. You know, you're not you're not doing the long jump. You're not going to foot fault on a long jump where you're actually winning thousands and thousands of dollars in gold medals by eighths and fractions of inches this is a tennis tournament it's a freaking you're not getting an advantage if you have a, a piece of rubber from your shoe on the line it's stupid it's totally stupid um but yeah it's fun it was the matches have been are fantastic and then moving on so yeah and then they serbia won 2-0 fantastic no one cares about dead rubbers and doubles so i'm not even going to talk about that doesn't matter Moving on to Australia versus Spain, this was it was really disappointing by Australia. I got to be honest, because you you you're playing a team Spain where Nadal is complaining to the press that the travel schedule is ridiculous, the no days of practice is ridiculous. Like they get there, they arrive, it's like an East Coast West Coast time change. So they gain three hours, or they lose three hours when they travel. And I don't know if, you, I'm sure you guys, everyone listening, has traveled from West Coast to East Coast. That's low-key one of the hardest 
uh, time changes to cope with. Because when you wake up in the morning, you know, and, and you're, you're usually getting three more hours of sleep, your brain doesn't work. It is really, really difficult to travel west coast to east coast. And, you know, when it, when it, when it really is four in the morning for your body, it's 7 a.m. and you got to get up. And, you know, it feels like you're waking up at 4 a.m. It's a, it's a nightmare. And the flying on the plane, your body gets tight. The courts are different. The surfaces are different. It's not like they're playing on the exact same surface. All hard courts are slightly different in one way or another. And, you know, the weather could be different. They flew six hours. It's just, you know, and Nadal's complaining. So, but but you had a chance, if you're Australia, to capitalize on that. Uh, Nadal just lost to David Goffin, who's a fantastic player, but Nadal has no business losing to Goffin. You know, he's so much stronger physically, mentally. He's just a beast. And so, yeah, I thought that Nick Kyrgios came out, and he plays Roberto Batista Agut, and he really laid an egg. He was one of the worst performances I've ever seen from him. And it was it was just, to, to me... It's like a classic case of the moment being too big. When the moment's that big, you rely on the work that you've put in and the hard yards and the sweat and tears that you've spilt. That's what you revert back to. That's why you're confident because you know you put the work in. And it just looked like Nick Kyrgios, the moment was too big. He didn't. He hasn't put the work in in, his, in the last couple of years to handle a situation like that where he's, he can't tank. He certainly tried. But he was able to pull it together. You can't tank because you're playing for your country. Everyone's cheering you on, but he certainly did his best effort to tank. Um, he lost the first at 6-1. He comes out. He First of all, he played horrible. So, look, he, he had a bad day at the office. That's that's That could be it. But I really do think the moment was a little too big for him. He lost the first at 6-1. Trying to hit through Batista Agut. Just trying to, like beat him with pace with ground strokes like what are you doing Batista Agut is rock solid from the ground that's not the way you're going to beat that guy Nick Kyrgios you have the advantage with your serve with your touch with your feel with your net game that's where you can beat him not by blasting ground strokes side to side because Batista Agut moves better than you and hits the ball cleaner than you so well I don't know what what, what you're trying to do there but that's fine. Um, at least, at least you know you were you were trying at a certain point. But then also, he's playing. So so Leighton Hewitt digs in, and and first of all, the Leighton Hewitt Nick Curios coaching combo that that really doesn't work because they're two completely different personalities. Um, and he was yelling at his team like for no reason. It was just a weird 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 vibes going on from Nick Curios. You know, he said the energy comes from him earlier. And he's right, and he gave Australia, Team Australia, some pretty garbage energy uh, to start that tie. In the, in the second set, he, you know, he he had his chances. He got it back, but he just played terrible. He's just missing routine forehands wide, not not doing anything, you know, to really put Batista Agut through the ringer. The guy was just out there playing tennis, approaching on easy shots. If you approach, if you give Batista Agut a forehand approach, like if you approach to his forehand and you give him time, what do you what do you think's gonna happen? You know, you're not Patrick Rafter. So that's that's what I've got. And there was one moment where the video review challenge, we're talking about this, Nick Curios hit an ace out wide, and, and, and they called it a let. I'm not sure, but you can't video review it. So that's like if you're going to have video review, you damn sure better be able to review a let. And then Nick Curios said, he smashed his racket after the game and said to his te- team and his coach, I'm done. 
He goes, I'm done. 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 Dude, what is wrong with you? It's a team competition. Like, come on. You can't say that. How is our team supposed to feel? Okay, Nick Kyrgios, our best player, our flag bearer, is done. He's done it. He's done at 6-1-4-3 in the second. Grow up, dude. Um, and then uh, Alex Demon moving on versus Rafael Nadal. N- Demon should have won this match. I got to be honest with you. I did not watch it. This match was going on at 3.30 in the morning, my time. I checked the score. I did the live tweets. I read the analysis about it. But... It makes sense because Nadal is not playing well. He's tired. He's a lot of tennis for him before the Australian Open. That's all I'm going to say. Interesting to see how he'll do there. But he's playing a guy who's in, in a nightmare to play. Um, but yeah, and Demon, Demon should have. I think he should have won that match um, just based on what, what was happening in the past. And Nadal was not hitting the ball clean. I watched it a little bit in the beginning and then I went to bed. And Nadal was just playing. When he doesn't have his knees, there's just no, you know, there's not that same force to his ball. He doesn't, you know, break players down physically like he normally does because his ball's so heavy. You know, when he's when he's feeling it in his legs and his knees, he's a completely different player. Um, and he and he's prone and he loses. I guarantee you, looking at Dahl's matches, the matches he lost when he's fully healthy have probably only been to Federer uh, and Djokovic. And then all the other matches he's lost, you know, he's he's probably not feeling too tremendous. It's very rarely does someone come out and beat a fully healthy Nadal. Nick Kyrgios has done it a couple times, but uh, yeah, yeah. Demon in, in the matchup too, because Nadal is so content to come back, but I, Demon was playing aggressive, which is good to see that he can do that. You know, he's a natural counterpuncher. That's what he wants to do. And yeah, I mean, so now we've got uh, Serbia versus Spain, Joker Nadal, RBA versus Dusan Lajevic. I'll break this one down in about 30 seconds. Uh, this one's going to come down to whoever wins the doubles because right now Novak Djokovic is going to beat Rafael Nadal and Roberto Bautista Agut has been throttling opponents all week. So only a fool would pick Lajevic to come out and beat Roberto Bautista Agut after what we've seen um, from the rock-solid Spaniards so far. So yeah, whoever wins the doubles is going to get it. So good luck good luck to them. This is just a fantastic st- fantastic um, event in terms of quality and intensity of matches you know the crowds haven't been that amazing but it's the first year and they're gonna you know work out the kinks and and it'll it'll be fine before I leave y'all I'm the betting man I love tennis gambling I think it's the most fun sport in the world to gamble on and it is the second most gambled on sport in the world so people agree with me so I'm gonna give you some best bets to start the season just because I like you guys shouldn't be giving this out uh, first off, even though they lost yesterday to uh, Asia Muhammad and Taylor Townsend, Coco Goff and Katie McDolly, McNally are a fantastic doubles team. I was talking to Caitlin Christian, who's a very good doubles player. She said that Coco Goff is a beast. She serves huge. She hardly ever misses ground strokes, and she cracks the ball from the ground. Katie McNally has a heavy forehand. She's able to dip returns low to her opponent's feet. And she has awesome hands. So you're getting sort of like a you know a ninja Viking combo here. Coco Goff just crushing the ball, serving huge, intimidating the opponents with her physicality and her size. And then you got Katie McNally, who also serves well, you know, got more finesse, more feel, and a very, very skilled doubles player, just in general. Great hands. She's she's good. So until further notice, you know, bet on them to win. 
Goff and McNally, they've got juice. The world doesn't know that they're unbelievable. They're probably going to win Grand Slams if if I had to pick a team that was going to win multiple Grand Slams. Goff and McNally are going to get some, uh, and I think that's it's only a matter of time until they do. Next best bet to start the season, Vasek Pospisil, my homie Pospisil. He's a super nice guy. He was hurt badly for almost a year and a half. Can't play tennis with a bad back. He got back surgery, rehabbed it hard, and he's looking like a beast, man. This guy is a physical specimen. He's 6'4", like 205, 210, extremely, extremely strong, explosive, huge serve, cranks the ball right now. You're going to get good odds on Pospisil to start the season. In terms of his UTR metric, he is around 30 in the world. His ATB ranking right now is 140. There's juice there. You're going to get juice with Pospisil. I'm going to ride Valsic Pospisil like Seabiscuit to start the season. And, you know, I, ho- I hope he does me well. And the last one I'll, I'll mention, I can't even pronounce his name, from Finland, Emil Rusivori, I think it's called. I like to say because you know they've got some of that going on because they're from Finland. This guy's legit, man. I, I've never heard of this guy, and I watched him play my buddy Dennis Kudla. He beat the crap out of Dennis Kudla. Just absolutely mastered, massacred him. And guy, another another situation where the UTR is in like the 40s, 50s in the world, and it doesn't match his ATP ranking. So you're going to get some juice there. So I'm going to wrap this up right now. It's been a pleasure. Uh, thanks for listening to this 24-minute rant. But best bets to start the season. I've been crushing it so far. I'm going to start doing a daily wager for the Cracked Rackets pod. It's difficult to do because, you know, we record these the day and the night before and then the Lions come out in advance. So it's tough to time it up. But I'm going to do my best to get you guys the juice. With these bets, though, you got to get it while it's hot because I'm not the only smart tennis better out there. People see it and they jump on it and then the lines change and you're not getting the same odds. You're not getting the same stats pretending just to win. But, yeah, there you go. That's that's that's, that's pretty much all I've got. I'm exhausted. I need to, need to take a breath. And this has been fantastic. Ruskin, thanks for having me come on. I wish I could do it a little more often. And that's that's all I've got. And this has been fantastic. And make sure to catch the ATP Cup on Encore on Tennis Channel or catch it live if, you, if you're feeling dangerous. Thanks so much. I'm Kale Hammond. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, at Kale Hammond. Instagram is just at Kale Hammond. I got lucky. I got my full name, C-A-L-E-H-A-M-M-O-N-D. And Twitter is Kale underscore Hammond. Same spelling. And I'll see you guys again when I see you. Thanks so much for listening.